name is Nick. And I'm Damien. And you're listening to the EQIQ Podcast. This is where the independent scientist and biotech entrepreneur come to find new paths to success. Join us as we discuss strategies to launch your vision, grow your team's potential, and uncover hacks to push your career well beyond what you thought possible. Welcome back. This is the EQIQ podcast. My name is Nick. And I'm Damien. Thank you so very much for joining us today. This has been an exciting week full of lots of emotion. Um, very busy and I'm going to derail us from, uh, sort of the, the planned session and, um, kind of go into, to the latest talk or one I had earlier this week. Uh, cause I think it's really relevant. I was talking to an entrepreneur. We're walking through all the different elements that need to be done at the beginning of a company. You know, in this case, it's looking for product market fit. It's all the marketing, all the uh, legal aspects of starting a company, all of the pitching and the networking and the, the lawyers and the accountants. You know, there's so many things that have to be done at the beginning. And it was overly burdening while, mind you, looking for his co-founders. And just overall, it's this pressure that ends up mounting and causing a lot of obstructions, basically making him a deer in the headlights. You know, getting up in the morning, looking at the schedule, it being a mess, everything feeling like a mess. And we had to walk through that and get through it and organize it. Or did we? Did we? <laughs> well, we did to, to, to a certain extent. Uh, you know, it, I think that it's, it's always going to be a mess. But what was more important was we started talking about his bandwidth, right? And getting into what is 100%, you know, where do you apply yourself? And eventually what people call time management. But here at EDC, we take that a step farther and we're actually taking that and calling it energy management. Because I I think that for our community, it is much, much more applicable to talk about energy, not just time. And I think we should define a little bit about energy, because I think that energy is still one of those amorphic words that can mean something to everyone, especially for entrepreneurs that drink a little too much Red Bulls (laughs) (laughs) and drink too much caffeine things of this nature and other chemical substances we shall not name. I think the challenge is understanding the amount of effort that one puts into any kind of task or project and how it makes you feel either excited or anticipatory or something that is more not exciting and stressful and pulls you down and starts to bleed into borderline depression. I think when we talk about energy is It's, have you ever been in something super intense where it took a lot of time, money, and effort, but afterwards you were like, wow, I'm exhausted, but man, I am stoked. I want to do this again. I feel like I can jump back into it. That's the kind of energy we're talking about. And so one of the things we try to do is to help people to look at tasks and projects and the things that they do that returns that same energy. Let's take like a generator, a hydro generator from a dam. One of the 
things that people think about is that those turbines that collect as the water turns these turbines basically returns that same amount of kinetic energy back into. This is how we get the charge. But what we don't realize is that it also takes energy to operate it. And so one of the things we want people to know is the things that you do do, they should return that same amount of energy and then be able to leverage that towards other things. And that's a better way of being able to ensure that the time, other metrics we talk about, is better managed. And so think of doing a task that you're super hyped and jazzed about. And you're like, wow, that was intense. But man, I want to go at it again or being able to say, let's try something different. And I think that's a hard thing for people to identify because they're so driven by traditional metrics of money and time. And this is the part that people are are challenged with as far as understanding this energy concept. To hit up the traditional metrics again. Oh, we can totally translate it into traditional metrics. Absolutely. We talked about this in last season's podcast, where one of the things that we completely abolish is this work-life balance. We work in an industry that is driven by passion. And so instead of identifying certain types of tasks as work and certain types of tasks as life, we've managed to find a balance between both of them and use different labels that allow us to manage energy instead of tasks. Meaning if reading scientific journals about the things that you do is your jam and you enjoy that, then do it. That If that's relaxing, and then, you know, if, if we want to take that back to your <laughs> your dam example, uh, you know, you think of that turbine that's being spun. If, uh, whatever, you want to sit on the beach and read a bunch of scientific journals because that is what gets you excited to go back to work and gives you that energy back to go and do the things that are a little bit more difficult, then to me, that's that's a worthwhile exchange. You know, that's absolutely great that you bring that up. Nicholas is because you just said it right there where like if you go to the beach and you read certain journals, then that makes you feel good. And so this is the one thing we get pushback on is people go, yeah, but what about the optics, right? And so other people are watching investors, board members, like senior faculty, they're putting these optics on and saying, you're not, quote, working hard enough, close quote. And so therefore, we don't believe your, quote, productivity. And here's the challenge where a lot of entrepreneurs have to get to know themselves so well that the optics that they're playing against isn't for them. And so the optics that are being used have come out of years of developmental work theories in and around the 40-day work week out of the Industrial Revolution. When we hear some of the most obscure metrics ever used, like this is where people say, an entrepreneur will work 80 hours a week to avoid a 40-hour work week. <laughs> yeah. And so those things is because they understand that like there's no, quote, value out of that. So they don't see it as the traditional ways of looking at things. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're doing something innovative and uh, new. It doesn't exist. So you have to create it. 
the best way you know how to and to optimize and maximize that. And so that even includes how we work. I know Nick and I, we used to actually have offices for EDC, like located across the country. But we realized like we were paying all this money to have these offices. And so we were like, most of our work, we're consultants, we travel quite often. So I always tell people like my work environment are cockpits, coffee houses and conference rooms, because those were the places that I got a lot of work done. And instead of just going to a cubicle every single day, and it was because adopting that kind of environment was maximizing for the ideal work environment for the traditionalists. But if we were focused on the clients and the client outcome, the clients could care less if I was in an airport terminal or in some office downtown in a cubicle overseeing everything. They want the results. And so I had to create an environment that maximizes that output. And I think this is the same thing when we think about our time. We're not maximizing the time per se, but our ability to produce the outcome. And a big part of it is the energy doing it. So we encourage tons of people to go, what can you outsource? And there's a lot of different calculations we do to figure out, you know, outsourcing isn't always the answer. It, it can be. And there's a lot of different aspects and metrics. And it's not that we throw everything out the window. You know, the traditional metrics are there for a reason. They tend to work, some of them, uh, in a certain way. And and sometimes, you know, there's just a framework that's already being applied that you need to work within. So when we're working with group leads, uh, anyone who has sort of a long list of tasks, which I, I realize is basically everyone, but especially Ooh. those who are managing or supervising, who have an assortment of types of tasks. For the purposes of this example, I'll just say long-term, short-term, and immediate. And if you think of the type of position that probably has the most of this, it's middle management because there's a bunch of decisions they can take, things that they need to work to, to figure out, but then there's also a bunch of decisions that they need to be taken for them. One of my favorite tricks to implement is to do small tasks first. And the reason for that is, let's just say you have a list of 10 things to do. Two of those are really, really long-term tasks that need hours to complete, and the rest of them are small tasks that you can do within 10 to 15 minutes. If you start with long-term tasks in a, we'll say an eight-hour day, which is what a lot of people stick to, within eight hours, you'll, you'll maybe finish one task and you might get to the second one, right? That's if we're starting with the long term. If we switch that up, if we decide to do the short term task first, obviously we look at getting eight things done and probably getting to one. Maybe if we're lucky, completing it. Realistically, that's not how things are done. There's a lot of different factors that come into play. However, one of the things that we tend to ignore is the effect of crossing off every single one of those tasks. Mm -hmm. This is what I was going to join you on this is the dopamine hit, <laughs> right? We got to get a dopamine hit in there. And there's countless resources that show us scientific papers that show us what that means to us. And maybe it doesn't mean that you do all eight of them, but maybe you designate, and this is actually what we do, designate however it is you work. A big chunk of time, this is when I'm going to do my short-term tasks, and this is when I'm going to do my long-term. And most of the time, I would say the average individual, the person that we work with, we're doing short-term in the morning, first part of the day, 
to get that dopamine hit in. And then we finish off the rest of the day with long-term sort of deep thought, the ones where you're getting that big mug of coffee and you're just putting the blinders on and you're focused. Those tend to be like afternoon type tasks. It's a balancing act. We admittedly want to put that out there because when we think about trying to get a lot of these uh, milestones and goals, it's like a big, huge mountain that we have to scale. But one of the things that we tend to forget is that we can't reach those goals on pure willpower alone. We have to be able to take a step back, regain our uh, mental faculties. And the challenge is understanding where your mental uh, bandwidth is, how much you're able to make a very clear and articulate decision choices. I think the entrepreneurs that we work with and innovators that we work with, they're making a ton of decisions and choices a day. And we always warn them about the decision fatigue. We know that your mind and brain takes up more than like 70% of your caloric intake. And one of the things when you're working that brain constantly, you don't realize how exhausting it is. And if we don't take a break, we end up short circuiting those thought processes, and you start becoming more reactive instead of proactive. And then you end up start making just decisions and choices. And so what we do tend to see some people do is they get so barred by that dopamine hit of, I want to I want to be productive. So they're organizing their file cabinet, they're organizing their their papers. And, and so you get so much into like, just get a dopamine dope, but yet you don't feel any better. And you're not moving, you start spinning the wheel. And most often we're like, when's the last time you rested? When's the last time you got some sleep? And it's worse now that you almost wear like a badge of honor. You're like, oh, I got three hours of sleep. I barely got any sleep. You start to glorify the lack of sleep. That's not good. I mean, like, this is why they restrict clinicians on the amount of hours that they work because your productivity can become detrimental. Mistakes, errors, oh, you name it. Right. And all we have to do now is press ignore on your watch when it tells you to stand up. <laughs> My solution was to get a dog. <laughs> There's no ignore button on him. It's like, I need to go outside now. Yeah. And so I think this is going back to this balance part, right? And so balancing your energy and understanding how this productivity is helping you move you towards. But I want to like bring it up to time. We get a lot of clients that talk about, I want it faster. Speed at which things gets done is such a relative value. We say, we know we can go really fast, probably faster than you. However, that might not be the fast that you aren't thinking about. Because one of the things we do know is that their concept of fast and speed comes from a place of anxiety and scarcity. If we don't make them aware of that, they get so manic within this speed and this addiction to speed, trying to get things done, it comes from a place of fear, anxiety. We got to let them understand that and create clarity around what this concept is speed and how it's affecting their energy management. But it doesn't only stop at energy. It speaks to growth. It speaks to understanding. It speaks to so many other factors that exist in these processes. Just recently, we were asked to push through a budget because of a high stakes negotiation that was coming up. And we were asked to do it fast. And to be perfectly honest with our team can put together a 
very extensive budget in a matter of hours. Uh, however, that's not what we want to do because we've developed a lot of different milestones. We'll call them uh, sort of educational pearls for leaders that exist in the process. So by the time you do complete a budget with us, you are very familiar with everything within there and can even digest what's being presented to not just us, but to just any audience, and then continue pushing whatever that budget is to answer whatever question might come your way, just because of how familiar you are with it. And we've been able to take the time and show you where you should anchor yourself within that. Now, if you come up and ask us, hey, I need a budget tomorrow, yeah, we can do it. But the value of what we do and the reason why people come and talk to us and want to work with us is because of this educational aspect and the dopamine hit and really sort of the outcome of how that energy is being spent on the other side of this process. I'm glad that you brought up how this time is being spent and this goes back into the ideas and concepts surrounding time value. When we think about time value, it's beyond the actual seconds, minutes, hours, days, and months metric-driven concept of time. We're talking about the value in which time provides ones. I value doing this because this is going to be more productive in the long run. I value this because this is going to help create some educational purpose. So one hour, one hour spent doing something that is going to produce something bigger is even better than one hour doing a bunch of little things later. And this is this idea of this return on investment. It's not only a money thing, but it's a time thing. And beyond just that, it forces you to think about the energy that you spend in that time frame. This is like charging me up so much. <laughs> Yeah. And so this, I mean, like, Nick, you have a great concept and framework for that, right? Right. But it's because everything is an opportunity because of the stage at which we are meeting people, like new clients, leads. Something that tends to, to come up actually quite a bit is the arrival of a new baby. <laughs> and you can imagine how this actually induces a lot of fear into both men and women for very different reasons, obviously. Um, but seemingly at the core of, of that anxiety, it's coming from the same place most of the time. On average, we see this new arrival. It's, it's something that's going to take up a significant amount of time. And you know, and, and our clients know that they're going to have to take away from something. They're going to have to manage their energy. Right. However, that doesn't mean that this opportunity needs to have a negative outcome, right? It's just a matter of stopping and looking at what's available, just like any other plan that we put together and start putting the pieces in, in order to manage the team, manage the project, put certain outcomes together and invest in the right places. Because I can tell you right now, if you have a new baby at home, your time investment is probably not as maximum as possible working on a business or working with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that 
one of the things that I do like when clients, they bring up the uh, the baby and the newborn coming in to town, I'm first of all, like super excited. And I remind them, oh, this is clearly why you're doing it, right? You have now a future to show and illustrate how to live your best life. And that helps ground them into the humanity of what they're doing and their raison d'etre, because then they can sit there and say, all right, how do I enjoy this path? How do I find the love in this? This is what we call this labor of love. Because when we think about why we're doing it, there's so many stressors that will come up all the time. It's just too much to think about to try to control all of the variables that could, quote, go wrong. It's much easier to focus and optimize when things go right. But if you're trying to control everything that goes wrong, you start to unbalance that vision and focus. And so you end up like, hurting yourself and others and then even your vision because you're trying to control all of the variables. This emotional point, it's telling you something. It's telling you, all right, hold on. Maybe I have too much on my plate. Maybe I should think about and prioritize. And that's the part that like when a newborn comes in, it forces you to prioritize and maximize your time invariably because it's maximizing your energy. And I'm I'm trying really hard to to keep this sort of its its own podcast but inevitably we just we have to mention that parents in this case are extremely good examples for for people that we work with because we're able to anchor them to something that is so purely good it's so easy to anchor a parent to their newborn child like it's just it's just not a challenge and all of a sudden they realize that they can't always control all the problems. <laughs> and it's through letting go of these that we can actually see what happens and be proactive about those solutions. Sometimes we're able to circumvent the issues. Uh, you know, it, it's obviously it's a case by case basis, but this just enhances the need or, or at least displays how important it is to be able to anchor ourselves in something positive because this allows us to prioritize everything very clearly that we can then introduce these energy management techniques and start investing our time more effectively in the different areas that are not only going to push the business forward, they're not only going to push the science forward, but they're going to keep you thriving, mm -hmm. going to keep you on the path that you want to be on and pushing everything. It's amazing. You push yourself, you push the people that are working with you, you push your department, you push your investors, everyone. It's just this amazing synergy of energy coming in and everyone's moving in the same direction. Yeah. No, you're right. Having a life come into this world allows people to anchor themselves. But I will play devil's advocate because I'm sure there'll be listeners that will justify, I have been successful because of the anxiety that I've experienced. I've gotten this far doing a million things at one time. You can't tell me blah, blah, blah. And so to those people, yes, absolutely. You can do this using this anxiety-driven energy. Tons of people do it. They always do it. My question, I always push back on that is, it's fine. Do you want this? Do you like this? Do you enjoy this high level of anxiety cortisol levels? If it serves you, if you feel as though this is a feeling you want to endure, 
Then absolutely, by all means. However, there is another path, an alternative path to do that. One of two things happens. Guarantee one of the two things happens is they go, absolutely not. There's no way I would like to do this, feel that way. And then they go, how else do I? This is why we talk about the energy management. I'm like, all right, now shift this mindset. The second one, they Take pause and they go, yeah, I like this fear and anxiety. It lights a flame under my bum to get going. So, yeah, I think I do. And I'm like, hmm, so now is that necessarily translated into a bad thing? All it is is just a shift in that perception. This is where athletes know no pain, no gain. It's not they're going for pain. They just know they've reinterpreted that pain as a pleasurable thing, as a metric driving them forward. Mm. This is just concepts that allows you to maximize you. But how you interpret it and how you utilize it really is your perspective. Perspective taking is done by looking at the bigger picture, your ultimate why. But just because you're that way doesn't mean your team's going to be reactive in the same difference. And so you have to be able to manage yourself, but your team as well. Just like how you are managing your own personal life, you now have to help your child manage their personal life. And so if you're an anxious type of person, chances are you might kind of create that in your own child, let alone your own team. Did you enjoy that? They might think twice about doing that to others. So again, it's this balancing act. I don't know that I can put it any better. <laughs> I remember we had one client. She took a step back. She goes, oh, oh, my God, I got that from my mother. <laughs> she goes, hi, I'm, I am an adult 40 plus years later, and I'm still reactive to things from childhood. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're just really, for lack of a better term, big babies. <laughs> we we actually have all those patterns that have been in us for such a long time. And this is why we talk and coach our clients, because we're coaching them and training them and consulting with them to help them be more reflexive and self-aware to understand where they can leverage their own internal perception of their energies and then how to translate that into time, money, and other uh, likewise traditional metrics. Right. And I think there's something to be said about those conversations that we do have. You know, if our clients weren't having those conversations with us, who would they be having them with? No one. <laughs> I have legit had a client say their spouse was like, wow, this sounds like really challenging. That sounds like a question for your EDC team. <laughs> yes. We work with spouses and there's some issues, <laughs> professional issues. <laughs> but no. Yeah, we, we try to take a holistic approach. We try to take a holistic approach to help get them to take seemingly unrelated aspects of their lives and translate that into their professional lives, like being a parent. Those are all translatable concepts that they can actually apply some of our clients tend to be so compartmentalized where I don't mix business with pleasure and so forth and so forth. And having yourself think a little bit more broadly and holistically allows you that freedom to be more creative and apply seemingly disparate types of tools and concepts in the same manner. And I think that's a huge benefit if, a, if an entrepreneur can be flexible in their mental space, in their in their cognitive space. Well, the key word there is Seemingly. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not looking at everything, how are we supposed to help you manage what you're going to do? Yeah. But 
I think you had one saying that you just said earlier. What was that? No one ever stopped enjoying a symphony because we all knew it was going to end. It plays to the ideas and concepts in and around time, right? And so we don't jump into the music because of how quickly we get through it. It's where the highs and lows and the actual enjoyment of it to help us to remind us why we're doing these things and then allows us to sit there and say, okay, you know what? This isn't as bad as things are. I'm making them out to be, right? And I think this is just the anxiety of is what is determining our concept of our our time management. And it's not because something is shorter or more finite that it's any less important or even interesting. That's where my saying fits in. It helps people to remind them about why they're doing what they're doing, especially for entrepreneurs. I know I definitely coach a lot of our clients through this. And sometimes I go, you know what? I know you're stressed. I know you're anxious and you just want to quit. So you can quit. At the end of the day, can you see yourself at a nine to five job clocking in, clocking out in some cubicle at some big, huge uh, corporate company, and then all of your fears and anxieties would be elated. Is this the narrative you want for your life? Can you see yourself and bar none, every single one of them, like, oh my God, I would shoot myself in the head. Absolutely not. Oh, that sounds gross. It just reminds them, like, listen, you clearly are doing this. It pulls them back from this labor of love because all of these seemingly stressful, anxiety-provoking types of tasks and objects and time commitments, it puts them into perspective of why they're doing it. And it says, wow, I get an opportunity to enjoy this process, to learn, to grow, to flourish. And this hits that analogy beautifully because you can learn so much and grow from it. I'm like, don't just go through it, grow through it. I like that one. That's a new one. Yeah. So we've taken you through extremely pragmatic day-to-day small tasks all the way up to thinking about larger life decisions, including new little lives. <laughs> uh, really, you know, existential questions as far as you being an entrepreneur on whether or not you want to continue doing that. If you would like to have more of those conversations, have myself and Damien help you walk through your own problems or anxieties that are related to any and everything that we talk about, uh, please feel free to contact us at our website, experimental-designs.com. All our contact information is there. Otherwise, feel free to listen to all of our other episodes at the EQIQ podcast. I am Damien Wilpitz, and this is my co-host here, Nick. Thank you for listening. was a Raul Maria production. What is this? That's my recording that didn't happen. No.